I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Lisa Evers. And you can catch up on all of our Street Soldiers episodes, both Hot 97 Radio and Fox 5 TV, free of charge on LisaEvers.com. And if you're on iTunes, you can subscribe to our free Street Soldiers podcast. So lots of ways to listen to and watch the show. You never have to miss anything. In this episode, we're focusing on our future. We often hear the phrase, children are our future, but is that just a slogan or is it a real goal? To some, it's just talk, but to others, the real heroes and sheroes in our communities, it's their life mission. And you're going to meet some of them in just a moment. For millions of students, our public schools are the only education option. And while the system often gets blamed for not measuring up, the fact is there are many dedicated teachers and educators going above and beyond, creating real-life success stories we never really hear. They're giving our children a real chance to succeed in life and defy the odds and defy the stereotypes. So I want to introduce you to some education game changers. Joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers, Principal Kevin Lenahan. He's the principal of P36K in East New York. He's been in special education for 15 years. Kevin, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. We we really appreciate it. Also with us is Dr. Marsha Lyles. She's the superintendent of the Jersey City Public Schools. Dr. Lyles, great to have you with us. Good to be here. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Dr. Chris Emden. He's the founder of Hip Hop Ed. He's also a professor at Columbia University Teachers College. Thank you all so much for being with us. Glad to be here. We appreciate it. Um, Chris, the, Dr. Emden, the gap that we hear about in education we hear this term thrown around a lot like there's an education gap yeah. how many gaps are there or is there just one i mean there are a ton of gaps right so there are gaps in the ability of certain young folks to be able to be engaged in school there are gaps in sort of test scores, which is usually when we talk about achievement gap, we're talking about test scores. So what young people perform well on these larger assessments or major tests, and they get compared across the country or across the state or across the city. Um, usually what we find is that young folks who are affluent, socioeconomically advantaged, uh, two-parent family homes, et cetera, they notoriously score higher than their counterparts who are of color in urban spaces and socioeconomically dis disadvantaged. Now what happens is people think that because of these gaps, that these young folks have a less ability to be academically successful. But we realize that most of those gaps are really about resources, really about money, and really about the quality of the education. So I, for one, don't believe in a concept of an achievement gap because it's been used to demonize certain young people. I talk about the assets in different communities. And when we think resources about Resources gap. Resources gap. Uh, we talk about, you know, sometimes even skills gap because there are skills that young folks in urban communities have that don't get reflected on a test. So you never know how brilliant they are because the test is only measuring one thing. Right. So if a test is measuring your ability to be able to write content, that's fine, but they can't measure the ability of a young person to be able to memorize complex information, uh, ability to be able to be creative and construct rhymes and words, et cetera. So an achievement gap to me is a false construct. The only real gaps aren't resources. They're not in skills or abilities. Dr. Lyles, you've, uh, when you took over, the, you, you were, managed to get back local control of the Jersey City yes. Public Schools, which the state had taken over because things were going so bad there. How did you do that? What was your guiding principle for that? So, well, when I came to Jersey City Public Schools, I came with two, two visions. One was around equity, 
and excellence. And so I believe very, very strongly around if we give them, and you talked about the gap, if we gave students the access, and mm -hmm. I look at it as an access gap, if we had high expectations for them, if we set standards for all of, our, all of the people in the schools, the families, for the teachers, for the administrators, and for myself, if we held everybody accountable, if we said we can believe, if we exposed our students to different things, mm -hmm. if we made sure, I mean, for instance, one of the things that in Jersey City was that our students, we have jerseys, and we talked about this earlier, we have the all of these resources right there that all of our students weren't taking part of. Mm -hmm. Our district is a very diverse district, and we applaud ourselves that we're the most diverse district in New Jersey. However, all of our schools are not diverse. All of our neighborhoods are not diverse. All of our experiences are not the same. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was to make sure whenever we had resources, we put them where those in those places where those children would not necessarily so easily get those resources. So, so you weren't willing to accept the status quo by any means? Oh, absolutely not, because I am, and I am a product of that kind of thinking. And so we talk about defined demographics mm -hmm. and where people hold expectations for you, and that doesn't, that doesn't matter. I know that if you give the, not only the students the skills, but if you give the teachers yes. the skills and the capacity, if you tell them about who these children are and help them, it's, you know, I never believe anybody wants to come to work to destroy a child's mm -hmm. life. But I do believe people come to work not knowing how to make a difference. In no, not life. knowing what's, what's the most important. And so, yeah, yeah. and so that, for me, is prime in making sure. <clears throat> but also, I mean, it has to be to a high standard. It's not, oh, these kids, this is good enough. It's that they can achieve, whether or not it's through building on their talents, mm -hmm. but still the expectations that they're going to be able to do the same thing, because Absolutely. that's what the world They will live up for. or live down that's to right. the expectations, right, Always. basically. Absolutely. Principal Lenahan, you've been an educator with special needs children for more than, well more than a decade. Now as principal, in terms of Give us an idea of the population that you're dealing with the children. It's a huge age range, too. Right. So my school is special ed, all special ed, um, and my students are 3 to 21 years old. We're year-round. Each student has an IEP, which is an individualized education plan. Um, and it's many different disabilities, cognitive, um, emotionally disturbed, uh, students on the autism spectrum. So it's a whole range. I also have students who take the state exam. So those, there are those standardized students. Um, I also have inclusion high school students that sit in general ed classrooms with additional support who do take the region's exams every year. So I'm really all across the board. I'm also in six different um, buildings throughout East New York. And I have um, one auditory hearing program in wow. Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. So how do you set standards or how do you, you know, what are expectations when you have such a diverse student population? I mean, that's like basically a whole person's life. My philosophy is finding the productive struggle for each student and, and, and every student is capable. For number one, you have to build up the confidence because some, some of our students are lacking confidence. They need to know that they can do anything that they put their mind to with the right supports. My um, staff are continuously getting um, supported through professional developments throughout my district, District 75, which is all special ed in every borough. Um, also, we do a lot of uh, intra-visitations and intra-visitations, so my highly effective teachers are, I'm, I'm using as lead teachers, so my newer teachers can really see how we can best 
you know, reach our child. So what are you doing, for example, if you have it, because also too, there's cultural gaps as mm -hmm. well from, yep. depending on where you come from, you have teacher very, let's say you have some of the new teachers very motivated, right. want to really, you know, really want to do it, but they don't have that experience of the inner city or what these kids are going for. You, you said that you have them go make home visits. How does that yeah. work? So some of, uh, I'll have some of my teachers um, with a guidance counselor um, schedule some home visits. This was done at my previous school and it's something I will be take, bringing to my new school, well, my new position as principal. But um, what was very interesting is it just brought a much more realness as to the needs of the parents because we're always trying to work on the partnership and collaborating with the parents and giving them any type of support they need regarding if it's outside agency support. Um, our whole goal is to set up our students so that they, when they leave us at 21, they're prepared for college and or career readiness. Um, and I think with some of the new teachers who are not you know, from the inner city, they really need to see um, how are just how, how tough some of the circumstances? I mean, let's just put it right out there. Yeah, what yeah. it is? Some of the tough, some of the how tough some of the circumstances are. Right, and to understand that when the students are coming to us, you know, in the morning they get a bre free breakfast every morning and lunch, and it's you know our kids come in every morning with the biggest smiles on their face, and they want they when they leave, many times they don't want to leave and. Um, you know, it's six and a half hours, but it's more than six and a half hours. It's it's like a nonstop, it's, it's a nonstop commitment. It's 24/7, definitely. All definitely. right, we need to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yo, what up? This is Clarity, and you're listening to Street Soldiers with the one and only Lisa Evers on Hot 97. You dig? Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about education game changers. Joining me for this conversation, Principal Kevin Lenahan. He's the principal of P. 36K in East New York, and he's been a special education uh, teacher and educator for 15 years. Kevin, great to have you with us. Thanks. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Dr. Marsha Lyles. She's the superintendent of the Jersey City Public Schools. Uh, Dr. Lyles, great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you. Also with us is Dr. Chris Emden. He's the founder of Hip Hop Ed. He's also a professor at Columbia University Teachers College. Uh, what about the, the students? What engages the students these days? Yeah. Chris, you've used hip hop, as we've shown on Fox 5 and Hot 97 before, yeah, I mean, we've to used, great effect. Yeah, we've used hip hop. Hip hop has always been a powerful tool because hip hop allows young folks to, the music serves as a backdrop. It's sort of a soothing emotional space. The construction of a rhyme is a very complex process that you can align to academic content. But most importantly, what I found to connect the kids the most is love, it's care, and making them believe that they have the ability to be academically successful. Mm -hmm. You know, in education, there's these big buzzwords right now, grit, resilience. And people say that young folks in urban spaces lack grit because they don't have enough grit to be able to withstand the pressures of being academically successful. And if you go into any space in, an urban, in urban America, you recognize that the lack of socioeconomic resources, the fact that I can walk into school every day with a fitted match in my book bag and still feel good and look good, the fact that I can construct a rhyme, with, despite my challenging circumstances, is the exemplification of grit. So the issue now is that how do we get teachers to recognize that the young folks already have the grit? Now, how do we change the structures of schools to allow the already existing grit to be connected to academic content? Because a kid will stay up all night to write the perfect rhyme. 
So totally. if you so if the, if you can connect that to academic content, they'll stay up all night studying to write the perfect rhyme around academic content. If I go into a classroom and I create an affirmation, I call all my students in my math class mathematical magicians every single morning. Before long, they start believing that maybe I perhaps am a mathematical magician. Right. Which will like activate, that neuro-linguistic yeah, thing. Yeah. It, it activates my grit. Then I put in more effort on the academic content. Look, young folks in urban spaces, this is what these folks do. What they understand is that young folks in urban spaces have an innate knowledge, grit, resilience, ability, strength, skill set that schools have not learned how to tap. So our work is in creating a new mechanism to tap the structure. You know, what, what, when Kevin's talking about the kids don't want to leave and the kids and we go and the, the reason the kids don't want to leave is because he's doing something different than most teachers do. And what most teachers need to do is focus on these new approaches, a la a reality pedagogy. It's not complex. Can I have like two minutes just to go yeah. through it? First things first, you create a structure in the school where the, te- the students feel comfortable enough to have a conversation with the teacher about how they're experiencing the learning. As opposed to the old authoritarian model you, where you right. learn and if you don't, you, right. you right. get sent to the principal's office. Right. So when we're done, right. we're like, okay, so I taught this lesson. How did it go for you? Did you learn that? What could I do differently? Would you like to come teach the class? So all of a sudden, the young person feels as though they're not just passively soaking in the information. Right. They're strong enough, powerful enough, brilliant enough to be able to not just have a conversation with an adult, but also lead the conversation. Right. And be involved. And, and be involved. That and way. to actually teach. So kids should not be passively soaking in information. They should have opportunities to teach as often as possible. Okay, but let me come at this a different way, Dr. Lyles. You you had you know you you've done various innovative programs within the Jersey City Schools. But the reality is, as superintendent, you still have to live and die by the test scores by these evaluations that don't take into account this whole skill set, this life skill set that so many urban children have. How do you balance that between keeping, you know, keeping the scores, keeping control, and yet, you know, going into these areas where you're, you're trying these new programs to get the kids to learn things? Well, I don't think if that if we, I don't believe if we don't do something differently that we're going to get kids to learn things. So that's the first thing. We can't do it as we've always done it. That hasn't worked. So the idea around, so when Chris is talking about hip hop, I think it's anything that engages students on that emotional, visceral level for them. What makes, what are they interested in? What do they relate to? So we have things, we have things in the arts, not only in hip hop, but in music, in, in drama, in whatever way the students can find a connection and help make sense of the world. We expose them in the science programs. But when you said, one of the things that I think that is so critical is around relationships. Yes and around students feeling that there is somebody, some adult in that building that cares about them. I was just at a school this morning where we had a a tragic loss last week of a student. Oh, I'm so sorry. And it was lost to the streets in terms of things happening in the community. And one of the things we talked about is that, and the principal was marvelous, and she was talking about, you know, we have to give them that space. That's right. We have to listen to them. But every child needs to know that there's a champion for them somewhere, that they have an advocate, and that, therefore, that person believes in them. That person will help find that connection. We have, and I have to give the plug for teen mentoring, but we have the teen mentoring program where students, their voices are amplified. 
where they're exposed to different people, to different professions, where people say, here, this is the skill. What is it that you want to do? I believe very much in amplifying students' voice. Mm -hmm. I believe in giving students choice about their own learning. We've implemented a new program, Personalized Learning, where students learn in their own modality. That's right. Like, how do you learn best? Mm -hmm. Do you learn through art? Do you learn through reading a book? What is that door, that, that gateway that gets engage, you in? What, what engages you? Right. Still holding them to a standard, but then you still have to learn this material. Yep. Right. And the teacher is going to be the guide to help guide you in that direction, to give you feedback, to support you. But the other piece that I think is critical when you talked about visiting homes is that we have to engage the community and the families. Yep. We can't leave them. Nobody can do it by themselves. So we have the academics. We have the educators. But we also have to help the families. Yep. We have to help the families work with that. We have to work with the community people who are already out there talking to students, talking to kids, talking to parents, and say, what is it that, what, what's beautiful about this child? What do you know about this child that's beautiful that can help me educate him? So often we come with a deficit mindset. And when you, you, know, when you say around having different plans, it's, I don't want people to say, well, what do you expect? Mm. Because what we expect is that every child can soar. And so right. that's what I, you know. And that's the expectation. Right. Sometimes how they do it about, and how you get yeah, to that point because is. Because sometimes when we talk about, well, you know, they come from this background, they have these challenges, et cetera, people say, oh, well, then what do you expect? No, no, no that's, that's not the reason you need to know where they come from. But that's from. not the child's failure. That's, that's a right. system's that's failure, exactly. society's and failure. And so that says then what do we have that's to on do the adults. to make that difference right. in their lives? Exactly. And Principal Lenahan, in, in, terms of the, in terms of the safety issue, too, because a lot of the children, too, as, and you're in East New York, you're taking children from the most economically challenged and a lot of safety issues just on the streets right. in the community, a lot of gang activity, that type of thing. They, how do you create a safe feel, a safe environment, safe, safe feeling space for them? I think w when you walk into any school within the first three minutes, you'll get a vibe of the environment and, and the culture of the school. Um, my students, the minute they come in, at least five people are saying, good morning, how are you? It's very friendly, it's very open. Um, also, students are very quick to pick up on who really cares and who right. doesn't. Oh, yeah. And it's all by example, and students will tell you, but they won't hold back, and they're very direct um, when they know that someone really doesn't care. It's very interesting that I had, a, I had a luncheon with some of my students, and we have a point system on behavioral, so I had six young men uh, save their points for weeks to have lunch with the principal. And um, so it was unbelievable. So with six students, I gave them the choice of the varied menus in East New York. So we had Chinese, Italian, uh, and, um, oh, geez, Spanish food. Right. So And it was just great because I just spoke to them and asked them questions, and I asked their opinions. And... Um, they were just so open, and also when they're giving suggestions, they saw that their suggestions I was taking to the next step. That you were actually listening right. and paying attention and they, to this, and validating their experience, exactly, basically. Exactly, exactly, and they have a voice, and we, you know, I'm new to this school. We started a student government where they're deciding on the activities and having surveys for students and staff, and we're giving them a voice and letting them know that their voice really matters and that they, they can drive change. And that's what, you know, the most important thing is. And regarding learning, um, you know, all our students, it's based on differentiation, hands-on learn, hands-on um, technology. Not the old chalk and talk. It just does not, especially with our students, 
It does not. They will be out. They won't be able to sit in their <laughs> they seats. They're more advanced. And this is important. I want us to know. It's not that they can't do it. It's that they are more advanced than it. Right. right. So right. Right, right, right. They are so much more. More. They're thinking on such a higher level that if you're using a chalk and talk, it's so rudimentary. Mm-hmm. Those young people in other spaces who are successful with the rudimentary right. is because their mindset is limited in comparison to the complexity of the understandings of young folks of color in urban spaces, and and we have to remember that. And then also academic rigor does not have to look like rigor mortis. Okay. (laughs) That I can hold high academic rigor, but we can have fun in the process. The test is the test. You're going to know some science at the end of this joint, one way or the other. But how we get there is all on us. And then after you learn through your own path to get there, then I will have real conversations with you about the art of the code switch. Uh-huh. So I'm using your own approach to get you there. Then I introduce to you what the, what the rules of engagement are in other spaces. Young folks do well academically when they understand it's all a game. You got to right. use that. You got to use that hood talk. So that they like, fam, you got to get on your grind and get this popping. You know what I mean? <laughs> Real talk, right? You, you better put a, little, put a little extra work in there and, and hustle hard on this test. Right. And when you know this math, we're going right. to go out there and get this bread. Right. Then we like, and by the way, when you're engaging with folks in other spaces, you say, I put particular effort. <laughs> right? And so the right. challenge of the math the problem. Switch. We'll talk yeah. about that. And we the, teach them how to code switch. Right. Well, I think when you, when very you teach them the game, That's when right. you teach them the game, you teach them how to win. Right. Exactly. How to win. We're going to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Rhapsody, and you're listening to Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers, where we talk about power, but also push for peace. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about education game changers. We have an amazing panel talking about this. Joining me is Principal Kevin Lenahan. He's the principal of P36K in East New York. He's been an educator with special needs children for more than 15 years. Kevin, great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Dr. Marsha Lyles. She's a superintendent of the Jersey City Public Schools. Dr. Lyles, great to have you. Thank you. Also with us is Dr. Chris Emden. He's the founder of Hip Hop Ed. He's a professor at Columbia University Teachers College. Dr. Emden, great to have you with us. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. Dr. Lyles, give us an idea of some of the success stories. How did you know? You come in as superintendent. You're the top person in Jersey City. The politics is intense. Yes. Very, no, very no intense. <laughs> a lot of pressure, money pressures, budget pressures. I'm sure you were getting calls and texts and emails and from all different directions. How did you start to realize, okay, we're, we're making some progress here, I'm, I'm, some success is happening? So we, I measure success on a number of levels. One of them is around in how I engage with students and the stories that they tell and the difference that I see in their lives. And so the number of students that we have who are graduating from high school to me is a major success story. The students who come to me and talk to me about the colleges that they're going to or the jobs that they have experiences now and they have internships, those are the success stories that I look at. When I, But for me as a superintendent, I also have a gauge by when I look at what teachers and educators are saying about children. When they're starting to talk about and when we start to talk about the language of engaging students and when we can now, when I first got there I can remember interviewing a principal and I said well you know what do you think about culturally responsive pedagogy and the principal didn't know what I was talking about. Now everybody understands about being able to reach students where they are and to have that conversation and to be proud of what students are doing. So every day we celebrate our students. We have students who are putting experiments on the moon. But for me, what's most important, I keep saying, are those students who are not succeeding 
just because of who, where they come from, but of succeeding because of what we do in the schools. So whenever we have students, when you, know, you talk about test scores, certainly, we, you know, graduation rates, we've increased our graduation rates by 10 points in the last few years. That's fantastic. It, you know, and so we've, we've worked at that. We've increased our test scores. But also what we want to do is we want to increase students' feeling that they can do it. Mm -hmm. We want to increase their ideas of when they talk about the progress they made. So not, every, not everybody is here yet, so I believe in a not yet philosophy. Mm -hmm. Is that so when students talk about what they want to do, when I have students who are engaged in civil activities and they're, they're fulfilling their responsibility to their community, mm -hmm. I feel I look at a success story whenever I hear a student of a student who is helping another student, who they're raising money for students, they're going to one another's families, where they're, where they're coming to me, I, I look at a success story when a student calls me or sends me an email and says, I don't think this was right, uh -huh. and can you please talk talk to us about this? And so for me, it's on hard numbers, the right. quantifiable success, but it's more the qualitative success that's so hard that to you measure. Right, but that know, is so important but, but it's because that's what's going to help them it. throughout it's, their it's, lives it's when the, they know they have that can-do attitude. A it's a story a day. It's when students are starting, and where I go to schools where students are starting to talk about who they are, mm -hmm. celebrating their culture. When I, hear, when I hear people talk about that, then I know, okay, then that's the then kind you of know progress. Then you know you're making a highway. Dr. The Chris, the, 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 in terms of your success yeah. with hip-hop ed, yeah. because at first people thought, well, some people thought, uh, this is this is just something to you know get them right. in the oh, school because it's hip-hop and it's music. Mm -hmm. But you had actual results and improvements right. with the science and the math scores. Absolutely. I mean, students scored better on their New York City state exams in science. Uh, students show up to school more often when they're part of Science Genius. Um, they're more likely to, to request advanced science classes. We have students who have been a part of Science Genius who are now in college with science majors. But, but most importantly, and this is what I love about what she said, we, we are creating an education to, to have a more informed citizenry, okay. right? right. We, we, in education, we talk all the time about how well the kids do on the test. No one asks questions about the kid who did well on the test, went to college, and then felt the pressure and dropped out. Right. We're so concerned about this small microcosm. Right. And so we increased the test scores. Yay, hooray for you. But their lives are still a shambles. Right. Right. And so for me, the successes of science genius are young folks who are more scientifically literate. Like Dr. Emden, you know, I was reading this article on the, on the Science Times on Tuesday that was talking about chlorofluorocarbons in the environment. I'm like, yes, that's a W. Like when, when a young person- I can't person, even spell that, to be honest. <laughs> when they feel as though they are, they, they, they are able to be able to engage in the world and they can sit across from anyone. Right. And feel as though they are, that they're equals. And for me, what I want to do through my work is I want to create- a, a world where young folks come out of our work, our training of their teachers, feeling as though they are so empowered that no one has anything on them. Because yeah. once you activate that, but they're so, not disadvantaged. They're not dis in I'm any not way. disadvantaged because because right. I come from the hood does not mean I'm low. I'm, I'm actually smart. I'm actually gifted. I'm actually empowered. I'm powerful. I'm a scientist. So no one can intimidate them. Because right. sometimes the loss in life is when you're confronted with someone else who has a facade. Right. That they are better than you. Right. And then you shrink and bow to someone who you are actually greater than. I just, I just want to add to what you're saying because so often what happens is where we just focus on the academic part of it. So students will succeed academically with us, and then they'll leave and they'll go into a world that they haven't been prepared for. Facts. Well, I think that's a big thing, too. With, with <laughs> yeah. Principal Lenahan, so with, yeah. with, with your school the, and with the, with the students, there's, you're basically the hub for many other social services Yes. And other things to help support them in their life, right? Yes. Uh, many of my students receive um, speech, occupational therapy, 
um, physical therapy, counseling, um, and there's also connections with outside agencies. So, you know, when they are leaving us at 21, that, you know, their life is going to continue on a positive, that they, that everything is set up for them to continue and be successful. Mm. Um, you know, a big thing regarding success is for our students is being able to self-advocate. Because mm. many times they don't feel that they, they can or that they know how. And, and I see it daily where the students are able to say, you know, what they need. Um, also, they're able to speak to what they're learning, why they're learning it, mm -hmm. um, and, and where it's going. So they feel like they don't deserve to have their own voice. Uh, it's just, them. I think many times is they've never been given the option to have their own voice. Mm -hmm. right. yeah. And um, now they're finding their voices. And also my students are very young, three to 21. So it's like as they're growing through throughout the school and getting older, we're, you know, giving more opportunities where I, I want them to speak what they what they want. That's why when I met with my students for lunch and I asked them, you know, what do, what do you like about the school? What would you change? And one of the things the students said is, uh, I wish we had recess outside. And I said, <laughs> you know what? I totally agree. And I said, so have you seen our lovely schoolyard? And he's, he said, there isn't one. I go, right, we don't have a school, because there isn't the space. Mm. But even though my students are um, special ed, 80% have that take the ELA and state exams, get a two or higher. I have students graduating with Regents diplomas. I have two students that are interning at my school. They're 21, this is their last year in school, but they're, for, they're actually a student at another school, but they're interning for me. I'm hiring them. That's right. At That's the end of great. the year. It is all about the circle, building the confidence, and my goal is to hire as many as my students or finding my students the jobs. That's that when, because they are, they have so much to, to contribute to society, and um, they just need the opportunity. And one of my goals and vision is to educate the people that special ed is, is not a negative, right. bad thing. Right. Um, everyone has strengths and weaknesses, and it's just building the student up to just become and how, successful. And the, and the, be, the best way that, that's possible. Let's talk about some of the stereotypes. Mm -hmm. that Dr. Lyles, you, have you had to deal with certain stereotypes? So personally, yes. <laughs> I know, I thought of that as soon as I said that question. I said, I said okay, yeah, I'm sure that's, that'll be the autobiography. Yeah, right, that, right, that's that book, but. No, but I, no, I'm but, serious, but as, an, as, a, as a female educator, as a female of color who's a top educator, did you have certain experience challenges? Oh, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, first of all, um, I'm the first African-American female superintendent in Jersey City Public Schools. Wow, so, congratulations. Well, thank you. But I didn't know that until a student told me. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't realize that. But I think that there are certainly very, very clear expectations or beliefs that people have about you. No matter what, there are people who believe that because I'm an African-American, well, first of all, yeah, I'm not really as smart mm -hmm. or I didn't really earn it. Somebody gave it to me. And students, our, our students encounter that as well. When you, say to, when you say to people sometimes, like, well, this student needs an extra intervention, it's as though we're giving them some kind of handicap. Mm -hmm. And people believe, oh, well, you know what, um, what do you, before I talk about that, what do you expect? Mm -hmm. People do not believe children of color. Mm -hmm. 
can achieve in this to the same level. Mm -hmm. They do not believe they have stereotypes about their home lives. They think because their parents are struggling that their parents don't care. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that's that they're not good people. That quote unquote right, good right, people. Absolutely. That they don't good care parents. as much about their children and, and one as much every parent. And sometimes even more even because more. they don't want even the children they to don't be, want their, you know to what, go through what they want. Parents want their children to do better. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean we've got the, the aberrant but m every parent wants their children their child to do better than they did but they have they have stereotypes about their parents they think every child if they they have stereotypes that they based on how they speak mm -hmm. their language that they must not be very smart because they're not speaking in standard english right they have stereotypes about how they look i mean very definitely how Absolutely. you wear your hair and, and how that's you dress i mean so so i've encountered that i mean when i was first looking for a superintendent's job i came out of new york city 40 years almost 30 years in New York City. But when I came out of there, so I used to wear braids. So you don't want to look for a job in braids because mm -hmm. people are going to think that you're a militant. So it's, I mean, <laughs> okay, so it was a while these ago. Are, I mean, these, are, these are, these are, these are, but little did they saying, know right. you were going to take back the Jersey City public <laughs> school right. system. But, but so, you know, so, so people hold these, these ideas and subsequently it's how they therefore interact with children mm -hmm. because they have ideas about their parents just because of how their parents can't come and navigate the school system right uh, so they have ideas about their parents they have ideas about how far their children and that means that can negatively impact what they put forward for children Absolutely. if you don't believe mm -hmm. that the children can achieve then you're going to not want to put you're already your, you already lost the, lost the game it, get a get a family mark or yeah. we'll take a short break this is street soldiers I'm your host Lisa Evers we'll be back right after this what up this is Trey songs and this is street soldiers with Lisa Evers real issues real politics real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're talking about education game changers. Our panel, each and every one of them, doing amazing work to try to give all children a chance at a really successful life and to become the best and the most that they can be. Joining me for this conversation, Principal Kevin Lenahan. He's the principal of P36K in East New York. He's also been a special educator, special ed teacher for more than 15 years. Great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Also with us is Dr. Marsha Lyles. She's a superintendent of Jersey City Public Schools. Dr. Lyles, great to have you with great us. Great to be here. And also joining us is Dr. Chris Emden. He's the founder of Hip Hop Ed. He's a professor at the Columbia University Teachers College. Dr. Emden, you use the term, we hear the term, code switch. Yeah. What exactly does that mean? I mean, code switching is the ability to be able to observe an environment that you're in, find out what the rules of engagement are, not lose who you are mm -hmm. and have the ability to be able to employ the strategies to help you to be successful in that space. Um, sometimes code switching is perceived as turning off who you authentically are to be something other than who, you're, who you are. Selling out or being fake. That's not what we're talking about here. Right. We're talking about the ability to be able to navigate multiple spaces concurrently. Um, I have a book coming out soon and the title of the book is Ratchetemic. For me, the goal is to be able to have hybridity. Hybridity or being ratchetemic is to be able to be equally as ratchet as you are academic. You know, ratchetness is a is a is a ideology that's oftentimes used to describe people who are from urban spaces, lowbrow, loud, brash, uh, mean, rude. And there's a misperception that if you are ratchet, that you can't be academic, erudite, learned, be able to understand complex a text. And I believe that that's a farce. And so the goal is to have young folks to understand that you don't have to lose your ratchet self to be academic. You can be ratchetemic. You can construct a hybridized identity. And when you can code switch. 
language, you know when and where it is appropriate. But to switch from one to the other doesn't mean that you lose yourself or lose your intelligence. You're not losing your authenticity. You don't lose who you You're are. Not, you don't forget where you, you came from. You can't forget from, where you came from. Not you right. don't. You can't forget right. where you came from. Like, you know, I'm, I'm Dr. Emden. I'm a professor at Columbia University. I'm an alumni fellow at Harvard. I'm good in the hood any day of the week. Not because I'm, I'm special, but because I understand the rules of engagement in the place I came from. Right. And I also understand how to exist in an Ivy League space. And I think that that's not a skill set I have because I'm special. It's because I understood how to navigate it. Young folks don't learn that. We, we, we put them through a school system that tells them that who you are is, has lack of, don't talk that way, don't act that way, don't oh, dress yeah. that way. As opposed don't, to saying this is the way you need to speak if you want to get that to type this of space. job. Like you want an office job, you have to go you in. You got to move a, this way. You know, right. You don't lose like you, this. but learn. And right. I think that a lot of folks learn it by accident. The most successful of us, after a while, you get to be like 30 and you're like, yo, I've got to figure this out. But you've lost 15 years. Right. And if young folks learn that by the time they're three, four, Early and five, on. their life changes completely. And, and for the record, you know, there are folks who hold high positions in politics or in, in, in other spaces who, can, who connect to their audience because of that. That's right. And exactly. we celebrate them because of that. Exactly. But then when young folks try to do it, we rob them of a sense of self when they try to connect who they are. And so we have to reimagine schools to, to allow young folks to be able to see the beauty and the brilliance in who they are and teach them the skill sets to navigate spaces they've not been before. We've talked about, and we're talking about the community environment too and the, and the parental environment too. Principal Lenahan, in terms of the parents, how do you... How do you get the parents sort of up to speed, the parents who might not have the educational background to deal with a child with autism or a child you know, with severe emotional issues? How do you, how do you bring them into that, that whole goal of yours of, of making this child a success? Well, we have um, daily communication through, it's called Class Dojo, uh, which is all via your cell phone. So it's basically the communication is always there of sharing what's going what's happening throughout the day successes and things that are being worked on uh open door policy always so i have parent coordinator who's very involved in inviting parents in um getting workshops for my parents um sharing strategies especially you know with our students who are on the autism spectrum you know recently i had a parent reach out to me and had a meeting um, with her and the whole team that works with her son, who's six years old on the autism spectrum. And um, so it was the OP, OTPT speech and guidance counselor with the parents and myself. And mom was like, you know, I'm having issues at home. Can you guys kind of help me? And so the whole team shared everything that the child, that her son is doing in school very successfully. And those strategies she was able to incorporate at home and we gave her uh, laminated sheets on just labeling things so to have that home um continuity right and this from what's going on in the, the connection and um you know the mom said at the end of the meeting you know thank you so much you made my heart happy i'm just you know you have no idea what this meant to me and that's what i want for all my parents and i want them to know that the door is always open mm -hmm. what i'm finding and this is my fourth month in the school is that sometimes the communication even though there is things being shared every day that maybe parents may be afraid to ask oh, or absolutely. things that right. teachers may assume that mom may mom dad or grandmom or whoever 
may know, but they really don't, and they may be afraid to ask. So it's, it has to be the face to face. You can't really see, no yeah. real no real substitute right. for face to face. Right. I don't think. Right. In and those kind of circumstances. Just open letting parents let them know that they are welcome, and we we are we are there to, with them, and we want to do whatever we can to support them for student, their child's success. That's Top great. priority. Dr. Lyles, in, ter in terms of parents with the Jersey City Public Schools, have you done anything differently than your predecessors in that area? So, well, we've done a number of things. One of the things is we've opened up a number of community schools. And so we have a, a support where we have a community school, which is around the school in the community and the community in the school. Part of that is we've also partnered with others who work with our parents. That navigation that you talked about, parents need to know how to navigate That's as right. well. Mm -hmm. Many of our parents, are, you know, were not necessarily as successful in school or their parents didn't navigate for them. Right. So when they come to school, they come, they, they come as armless right. as their children. Right. So part of what we have to do, and so part of what the community school does, we have our parent symposiums, we have our parent workshops. The idea is to strengthen the parents' ability to navigate the system. Aside from advocating for their children and bringing out their children's gifts to us, the idea is that if we connect them with the resources in the community, and that's what the community school model is, sort of be like a, the school is a one-stop shopping area for them in terms of the resources that they need so that they can also know how to hold us accountable. Right. Now, because I've got very high-performing schools and I have very low-performing schools. And I will tell you that the parents in the high-performing schools, so some people think that's all like that's, that's, those are the parents who hold us, every parent should be holding us accountable. Should be demanding the education. Every parent right. should be saying that this is what my child needs, this is what my child deserves. Every parent should be saying to us, so what are you doing? to help my child. Don't tell me what my child can't do. No. Tell me what you're doing. Right. You're the don't blame the child. We're the ones getting paid. Don't we're blame the, the child. Blame, trained, me, blame the adult. And so, so I think that that's a critical part, that's that right. navigation isn't just an innate art. You have to learn how to do that. No, absolutely. And, 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 if, you, yeah, absolutely. and if you came up in a school where it was very hostile or, and you know or just what? cold and, climate. And sometimes not even, not even, sometimes it's hostile, but sometimes it's by the way, teachers bureaucratic, need right? to know, and teachers and administrators, we need to know how to deal and navigate with parents. Right. We don't speak the same language. We, we automatically fall back into our lingo, right. our acronyms, because we're speaking to one another all the time. Right. So when we talk to parents and they don't understand they may us, not know, and you we say, start you're thinking, throwing out these letters and yep. these, right. all these. And, and, right. mm -hmm. and so, you know, I mean, and parents know to stop me. Like, what do you mean OCR? What do you mean? Because... I will do it automatically when I'm speaking mostly to them. So we have to engage the parents. It, it has to be a mutual thing where parents and teachers learn how to talk to one another. Yeah. Dr. Emden, what about in, ter in terms of parent? In terms yeah, of parents when we, when, so when Hip Hop Ed consults a school, the one thing we teach them to do first is to help the parents to heal. Mm. We fail to recognize that a lot of the students who are in schools who are broken and unsuccessful are, they are children of people who were unsuccessful in the same exact school system. And so a oh, broken really? person can't help anybody heal. So you gotta first bring the parents in and just say, listen, I know how school was for you. I know how this school was last year. I know that you're scared to be able to walk into the building for these things. And I'm showing you that we're gonna help you be better. Uh, when, when you, this idea of healing and counseling and therapy, and I'm so glad that within hip-hop culture it's become more of a prominent theme, yes. is something that our community has always lacked. The reasons why parents don't come to school is simply because they're fearful That's and they've right. undergone severe trauma in schools themselves. Right. So teachers have to be trained on therapy and counseling techniques to be able to engage the student. So we do this thing called reality pedagogy. 
And with reality pedagogy, it's literally training the parent to be able to let go of what hurt them so that they can help their child to heal. Wow. And, and there's strategies to implement, but if we, don't, if we don't take this more larger, holistic approach, it doesn't work. Another thing that we have to also do is we have to invite folks without credentials. Let me say that again. We have to invite folks without credentials yeah. to sit at the table to inform us on how we do schools differently. That's right. In Science Genius, our ambassadors are high school dropouts. And people said, why would you bring high school dropouts to work with high school students? Aren't they going to influence them negatively? No. The high school dropouts will inform me on what we did wrong as a school system mm-hmm. that led them to drop out. And they can connect more to young folks than we do. A credential, look, I'm glad to have a doctorate. I'm glad to be <laughs> at where I am. But I'm also deeply aware of the fact that the person who understands the community is a person who is actively in the community. And a credential means nothing other than a passport to give you a platform to talk about what folks in the community know already. Right. And so for us in Hip Hop Ed, we hire and invite in community members to, to help us to be able to construct the approach to instruction that works best for young folks. So healing, counseling, and understanding the trauma. PTSD is real. Post-traumatic stress disorder, Poor teaching and schools disorder, it's a real thing. Right. And we have to address those PTSDs in much the same way, with a healing approach. And take it like that. The, the um, Principal Lenahan, in terms of the, bringing the children out into the community, and it, you say you don't have a schoolyard, like, that's, like, that's just one site, but um, some of the but other schools are, that's an issue they're trying to address. But the, right. in terms of bringing the kids out into the community, have you have you done anything like that or planning anything like that? Definitely, the I've as a teacher, I always was a big person that I believed in trips. Mm. Um, I believed in getting my students out of the building and able to see as much of New York or or bit larger um, as possible. Um, Many times our students, when they go home, they're in their homes for the day until they go back on the school bus to go to school. And, you know, it's very important because they need to see the world. Um, That there's something else out there. Definitely. And we've increased the trips. And it's not, you know, not like a movie or it's to see different things Mm. that will may spark an interest or a desire of something like, wow, I didn't even know that was possible. You know, I never, I'll never forget, I had um, my first year teaching, I had a very difficult student, emotionally disturbed, and um, a few years later I saw him, I ran into him on the street, and he said, you know what, you're the only teacher that took me on a trip. And he told me where I brought wow. him and what we did, and I was... You never know what kind of impact you, know. you make. You never know. Never know. Well, I want to thank all of you for being with us. You made an impact in so many, so many lives. It's just great to have you here and, and celebrate your successes and, and just hear your methods and just learn so much how you all do it. So thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Principal Kevin Lenahan, great thank to have you, you with so us. Much. Thank you. Dr. Marshall Lyles, great to have you on the show. Dr. Chris Emden, awesome as always. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for your work. Thank you. And thank you for joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Let's push for peace.